Hello and welcome to What Are You Laughing At? The fortnightly podcast of the British Comedy Guide that brings you news, reviews and a cast-iron guarantee of more laughs than any party conference speech. <laughs> My name's Dave Cohen. With me is our occasional regular, if that's not an oxymoron, co-host, comedian, writer and exuberant Ipswich Town fan for now, Tony Cowards. Hello. And we're delighted to be joined today by a comedian who has, for more than 15 years, been one of the top performers in the country, starring as his monstrous alter ego, the pub landlord. Hello to Al Murray. Hello. And we'll be talking to Al later about the uh, much-loved sitcom Time Gentlemen, Please, his current tour, and of course his seminal career as drummer with the world's greatest Jewish heavy metal <laughs> band, Guns and Moses. Uh, it probably launched I, your career. I prefer their early stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Al was a uh, legendary uh, drummer with Guns and Moses, uh, which was um, a band that actually he started to go off and be very good, and so uh, we were left without a drummer. Um, <laughs> and it was never quite the same. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no. no, it's all right. I'm not bitter 17 years old. <laughs> Um, so, Jim Tavray left the country. That's true. <laughs> yeah. well, yes. That was a traumatic effect that Guns and Moses had on him. But um, yes, uh, we'll talk. We, we may talk about that later. Yeah, sure, think. cool. But um, lurking in the background, as ever, the brooding Heathcliff-like presence of the British Comedy Guide. It's the man who knows too much, far too much. Aaron Brown. Hello. So. Um, we'll start with the sad news, the passing of David Croft, the legendary, wonderful uh, comedy writer, best remembered, of course, for Dad's Army, but also a string of other series, Hello, Hello, It Ain't Our Hot Mum, Are You Being Served, Hide It High, etc., etc. Um, fantastic writer, of course, and um, with, with Jimmy Perry. I did actually see uh, Croft and Perry. They were presented with an award from the Writers Guild about two or three years ago, as a Lifetime Achievement Award, and they were asked about the, the, the secret of the success, and they... They sort of pretty well explained that um, Jimmy was um, Mannering and uh, David was Wilson, really. And, and even as they were sort of standing there, there was a, there was a, a bit of a sense from Jimmy that he was kind of uh, the uh, junior Batman there to, uh, to the really? top. Yeah, in, in, in the nicest possible way. I used to like the way they always said, well, I worked, I was in the Home Guard, so I wrote a sitcom about that. And then you'd say, and I was in a holiday camp, so I wrote a sitcom about that. You just think, all right, how many things have you, let's just get out of the way, how many things you've done. Yeah. And then we know how many yeah. sitcoms are in for and what they're going to do about. Yeah, I once went on a train, so I yeah, exactly. got to exactly. beach. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, sad loss, but I mean, 89 years old. I mean, fantastic, uh, fantastic legacy. And of course, uh, the, as many people have pointed out, the greatest legacy is the fact that the shows are still on and Dad's Army is repeated yeah. over and over. And apparently... Uh, up against Doctor Who on Saturday, it got two million and X Factor two million viewers. So wow. still, highest, regularly the highest rated show on BBC Two really? on Saturdays. That's incredible. That's yeah, very yeah. good. It just it just shows you know, the the pocket, not just the popularity, but the the, the genius that was there. That well, it's the well. It's, it's hard to. But they, the, it's especially Dad's Army, though, isn't it? Of, of the things they did, yeah. the, the archetypes in it are so powerful. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I, I don't know one episode from another. That, that, I mean, they're essentially all the same. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. matter. That's mm-hmm. true. I mean, it was the, f- the first sort of classic um, comedy catchphrase show, really, wasn't it? And I mean, there were just characters who who only spoke in their catchphrases. Yes. Yeah. But they so captured the essence of the character, didn't they? It was uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, brilliant. I only found out this week one interesting thing is uh, 
I never realised uh, is that the whole series was uh, actually in flashback. Apparently, the first episode was Mannering and the rest of the gang at a, a yeah. meeting in the sixties. Yeah. Sort of, uh, it's, it's kind of a religious presentation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and no. that's the very opening shot. Yeah. Is them yeah. at this town meeting, mm. and then uh, Mannering gets up, I think, to make a speech and talks about being in the Home Guard. <coughs> Because it's a thing celebrating the best of British, uh, something that the Prime Minister at the time was doing a backing Britain campaign, uh, and they're talking about backing, backing Britain, yeah, yeah, and they're talking yeah. about backing Britain and being and the Home Guard being a. So that's that's the the episode, first episode, very first, yeah, yeah a couple of minutes. Because they never ran because they, they never ran it off because the last one's when it's D Day, isn't it? And uh, and uh, Mannering Mannering's always said no medals has always been the thing, and it turns out that Wilson was a was a captain. And won the military cross in the first world war and everything, and that's and, and has spent the whole war being a sergeant, and is actually, you know, Mannering's equal or better, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this he's kept that secret the whole time. I do remember the the first series, uh, the, the credits as well. Um, that they because they, they're all we all remember the credits, and they're very funny, and the, they just got huge laughs. And so the, the the first thing that happened, and you hear the audience laughter on the very on the sort of first yeah. series, and. and just, just they're just sort of laughing at the the, the picture of the arrows and the, the the German arrows coming in, yeah, fighting the British ones away. So um, and, and the other thing as well, the, the uh, other point about the the music. You know, it's not an old wartime. No, no, it was written for the show, show written yeah. especially for the show. Yeah, we could talk all afternoon, all morning, and afternoon <laughs> about Dad's Army, our favourite lines. But we've got a show to do, and in fact, the next uh, news we're going to talk about uh, is about the Writers Guild. The uh, nominations have, are, are in for this year's Writers Guild Awards for Best Shows. Best TV Comedy, Lead Balloon, Peep Show and Rev, and uh, Best Radio Show, Cabin Pressure, Fags, Mags and Bags, which was a previous winner, and Sarah Millican's Support Group. Other comedy titles in the running are the uh, movies Attack the Block from Joe Cornish and uh, Submarine from Richard E. Odie for Best Screenplay. And uh, Eric and Ernie, the biopic on BBC Four, is up for an award as well. So, Lead Balloon, Peep Show, Rev. Which, uh, which would you? Uh, well, having only seen <laughs> lots of Peep Show, not having seen any Lead Balloon, I'd say Peep Show. Right. Just on what I've seen, but maybe that isn't the best way of calling it. <laughs> right, I think okay. I'd, I'd probably go for Rev. I'd go for Rev as well. I thought Rev was yeah. excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, I suspect Peep Show might win for the simple reason that I know that it's been nominated for about four years running. So I don't know if that's uh, Rev was very good. Yeah. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. see any of Red Balloon. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, so. Uh, <laughs> So the uh, Al Murray will be uh, putting a pin in a, uh, <laughs> a rock, I believe. Okay, so which of these then, Al? Cabin Pressure, Fags, Mags and Bags or Sarah Millican? Have you well, heard I any of them? I haven't heard any of them. Right. <laughs> okay. No, no I, 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 have you thought I, of becoming a comedy critic? No, well, maybe. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's my calling. No, I, um, I, uh, I turned off Radio 4. Well, there was a day where I finally, where I just went, nope, I'm turning off Radio 4 now. I need to listen to something else because it's, <laughs> I mean, uh, its entire output, the whole thing, yeah. had sort of—I don't know—it's it, 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 so on its on its wavelength. You know what I mean? Of, of yeah. a piece, I needed to listen to something else and listen to different voices and <laughs> different attitudes and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it, I, I do find radio feel hard to listen to when it's when they're not when they're 
when it's not comedy. Yeah. And sometimes when it is comedy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that. Um, okay. I mean, um, any of that, they all sound yeah. great. <laughs> well, cabin Pressure is, is uh, of course... That's John Finnemore. The sitcom of yeah. uh, John Finnemore, who's got, whose sketch show is, is uh, running at the moment, and very funny that is too. Bags, Mags and Bags, uh, of course, written by and starring Sanji Polo. I think that's about, it's about series four or five now. So, and that is a very funny show. And also written with a very funny writer called Donnie McLean. Um, okay, Private Eye is 50 years old. Happy birthday, Private Eye. And in fact, Ian Hislop is celebrating 25 years as editor, which must mean that he was six years old when he was... Uh, he was editor. controversially young, wasn't he? He when, was, When Rich uh, yeah. was going to the job. Yeah, and um, I mean, he's always kind of looked... The yeah. age, hasn't he? And he's yeah. now sort of grown into that age, I think. <laughs> and he, you're saying he looks like a fetus. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's always looked like a very old man, hasn't he? Yeah, I think um, yeah. by his own admission as well. But uh, any any private eye readers, big fans at all? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I've yeah. always read it. Yeah. Read it for as long as I can really, as long as I can remember. Yeah, well, I never used to read. I used to read the jokes and not read. Yeah. The, Serious bit, and now I read the serious bit, not the jokes. It's <laughs> how <laughs> it's flipped. Oh, there was a, there was some fantastically rotten, uh, patronising articles about Private Eye when it turned because it turned fifty like yeah. last week, didn't it? Yeah. There was some amazingly patronising journalism about it, going how they do the covers and the genius of the co- and like. Yeah. There's nothing like jokes explained to really <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. to really. Uh, get, Kill the soul, I think, and there was a lot yeah. of private eye being explained, and mm. I mean, it looks like a fan magazine, so that's why that's it's retained its charm. You think of the investigative journalism in it puts the rest of Fleet Street to shame, so no wonder they're also patronising about it. Mm. I yes. love it, yeah, and also a lot of the people that have obviously been lampooned in private eye were suddenly backing it when they're saying how yeah. they've loved it, which yeah. sort of kills satire, doesn't it? For people you're satire, which buying a spitting image puppet, so, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yes. Mm. Well, and to, to his credit, I remember actually once uh, when. Uh, that we, we did a song about Jeremy Beadle and um, Jeremy Beadle rang the producer at the time and said, oh, uh, in fact, I think the song was called We All Hate Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> um, we did a no, song, song about Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> <laughs> it was about how we all hate him. <laughs> and he rang up the next day and said, oh, I like that. Can I have the puppet, please? And the producer, to his credit, said, well, well no, don't you get? Um, and um, <laughs> no, we actually do hate you. <laughs> Um, so um, we were not being so, ironic, no. <laughs> but it is. I mean, inevitably, you know, something like Private Eye, which was sort of born of the establishment uh, mm. and, and has always been a part of the establishment and the people who write for it. it, it it's um, the, 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 the the viciousness is always going to be toned by the fact that you know that the people they're being vicious about are also their mates. So, yeah. So that does kind of. Take a bit away, but you're right. As a as an investigative uh, journal, it's definitely uh, the the best, really. And certainly, you know, when Paul Foot was was alive, I mean, yeah. it was definitely it was way ahead of all the other papers. Yeah, by miles. Yeah. So happy birthday, Private Eye. Um, okay, so on to uh, more news now. Sky have ordered two more series of Trollied and a Christmas special. Um, I don't know if anyone has seen Trolley at all. Yeah, yeah. I watched it. It was, it was all right, but I, I, was, <laughs> uh, I, I kept, I stuck with it through the eight episodes of the first series. But I was still a bit surprised that they ordered more so soon and so many. I I'd say two I, series of thirteen episodes. I'd say, um, it, I mean, I haven't seen it, but Sky, it seems Sky's in, uh, putting their money where their mouth is, and I think mm-hmm. that's, that's almost. 
that's almost more important. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, that they're, that yeah. they're serious about comedy and they're developing it. I mean, you know, and I, mm-hmm. talk, we'll talk about Tangents later, but that, there was a similar thing where they, we, I mean, we made 37 of those. Yeah. They were deadly serious about it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it seems that that's that's come back, and I think that's re- yeah. I think that's incredibly important, and, and a, you know, a good thing in capitals. Well, it's mm. good that they're backing something and giving it time. To yeah, develop. which is actually actually how you develop comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not by trying lots of different things. Yeah. I mean, there was a sense, wasn't there? I mean, it was, there was um, Prime Gentleman Please and mm. the Deal Syndrome, wasn't there? And that's they, right. We got the extra episodes. Yeah. David was furious. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, <laughs> I saw Badil Syndrome. Um, it, it was an interesting thing to, to I mean, to, to go for the most high-risk uh, show that you could make, which is an audience sitcom, mm. and to go for two audience sitcoms. Mm. I, I mean, we all know how incredibly hard it is to more than any other type of comedy to get an, an audience sitcom run. Yeah, it's really difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's... Uh, uh, but yeah, I think it's great that they're doing... I think, you know, I think that simply that they're doing it and that they're backing something is, is sort of almost more important than the... I mean, I haven't seen it, so I, I just don't know anything about it. What I've seen of it, it reminds me of um, when I used to watch Coronation Street in the 80s and 90s, when it was um, the, the sort of people who wrote for Coronation Street were the brilliant writers, uh, mm. people like Jack Rosenthal and Paul Abbott and people. Yeah. Uh, people who can write comedy as well as drama. And um, Coronation Street was always packed with comedy. In, it's, in it was the really 80s funny, and 90s. like a sort of panto. Yeah. yeah. And they had they had great, but but it had it started off almost as a sitcom. I mean, one of the mm. lead writers in the early days was Vince Powell, co-creator yeah. of Bless This House and really? countless yeah. others. Well, Jack, Jack Rosenthal yeah. wrote um, he wrote um, what was that one with Richard Beckinsale, um, The Lovers. Uh, he, he, yeah. he had his share of sitcoms um, success. So um, so yes, I, I, I like it from that point of view. And, and yes, it is good to see. In fact, Stuart Murphy said, you know, Sky, we act quickly to reward and recognise uh, great work and as part of our commitment to original content, we will continue to back the creative brilliance of British talent. All right, it's going on a bit there. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's good. And it is especially good to know, because uh, when, when we have our other co-host on, um, James Carey, he often uh, berates and moans the loss of the sitcom. And uh, in fact... Just to tell you, the shows that are returning, uh, returning shows in the next couple of weeks, um, TV Burp, made here at the Avalon, which is where we are today, that's uh, Series 11. Have I Got News For You, Series 42 uh, is coming back. <laughs> League of Their Own, Series 4, Rabsine Nesbitt, Series 10, Nevermind the Buzzcocks, Series 25, Russell Howard, and on here, Series 5. Richard Bacon's Beer and Pizza Club, Series 2. Um, sadly, that one has passed me by so far, but <laughs> I love it when You're Richard Bacon does comedy. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, oh, I've been on it. Have you? Oh, yeah. right. He's, yeah. he's a, he's a marvellous... Uh, yes. Marvellous Do you actually get Richard. beer and pizza? There is, there is beer and pizza. Yeah. Whether bacon? you get it um, <laughs> is a different matter, and its quality is also variable. Uh, right. Plus temperature. It, uh, the, the, pe- the beer's warm and the pizza's cold. <laughs> does sound like a uh, Richard Bacon beer and pizza does sound like a sort of um, train sandwich, doesn't it? But it's. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, I had lots lots of fun doing it, but it it's one of those programs that is a mark of the, the relentless groping around for a panel format that isn't a panel show. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, which is. What everyone wants right now. Yeah. It seemed, I've only seen a few episodes of it, but it seemed because, is it on a Saturday or Friday night? And it seemed quite good coming home from 
Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's in the sweet spot for, for what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone wants panel shows because they're cheap. That's true, yes. <laughs> and uh, and as if to confirm what you just said, the, the new TV new TV shows, none. There's nothing new on TV. The new We've got a new radio show, which is uh, written by Frank Skinner, called Don't Start. Yeah. Do you know anything about that? No, I know nothing of this. It's, uh, he apparently uh, sits in a room with Catherine Parkinson and they argue. As a, mm-hmm. as a couple, uh, it's, it's scripted. Yeah, you know, right. They don't. <laughs> you, never, you never know. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so uh, Frank, who is um, doing and being everything at the moment, seems to be taking over Room One Hundred and One. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Yeah. And, uh, uh, another panel show and, and another new format for a panel show as well. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I detect. My sarcasm sensors have gone off. <laughs> a bit. A bit. Uh, <laughs> But Room 101 is the Holy Grail panel show, though. That's the except, one that, except they're changing it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah but, but that's... But, yeah. Yeah, oh, if well, James really is going to be a panel show rather than a talk show... Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, three guests, and they each have oh. an item to put in, oh. and Frank chooses which one of the three... You can't hear my thumb going down. That was the... You know, the original format was brilliant because it was a, it's a chat show. It's not yeah. a panel show. It's a funny chat show. It's a chat show with, with a direction, with a purpose, yeah. with a plot. You know, rather than um, and it allowed show. people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it allowed people to just just talk about more than you know, and, and as well as I mean, people did their gags mm. and their material or whatever. But there were, you know, it was good. It was nice, interesting interview. It was sort of almost mm. like watching parking mm. some of the time. You know. Mm. It's peak, I think. Um, so uh, yes, uh, if James Carey was with us uh, today, you wouldn't. Uh, there'd be blood on his forehead from the bashing of his head against the table at the uh, news that you. Do you think it's because us. they think that you can't focus on sort of have enough time on one person now? There's no one. Yes, I think that's probably definitely. Is it for BBC Two though? BBC One. BBC One. Well, that'll be that'll be it, um, you know one of those things where you. Can, it's had to it, to move channel. It's got to re-identify itself. So mm. in other words, change yeah. turn yeah. into another program. <laughs> right, right. It's a, it's a sort of done a swap with with um, QI, QI I guess, yeah. so, mm. in that sense. Well, we shall see. We shall see how it uh, works out. I'm sure it'll be. It'll there will be more laughs, as many laughs per minute as we should uh, hope for. Uh, but as we say, no narrative, which is a, a shame. So we'll go on to the narrative now. We've got. Uh, uh, the comments from the forum of the BCG. So the, the shows that have started up, um, Fresh Meat, the new show from the comedy drama from um, Jesse Armstrong, Sam Bain, uh, that's had quite positive uh, response from the BCG. Sooty J says, quite funny, better than most stuff on telly, but feels slow and drawn out. It is a comedy drama. It's an hour long, so fair enough. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Hyde150 said, I enjoyed it. Didn't think it was great, but thought it has potential. I didn't laugh out loud once, but I smiled throughout. Which is... Uh, <laughs> there's a ring to endorsement for comedy drama. Yeah, there's a great endorsement for you. <laughs> hell. No, no good for stand-up, of course, having people smiling throughout, but uh, it's, it's okay for comedy drama. Everyone, of course, amazed that uh, Jack Whitehall is... Very good in it. You can actually act. Anyone see it? But is he playing somewhat tight? I heard. He's a he's a he's a very posh posh boy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really stretching. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's certainly not stretching his persona. 
I think I'm not someone who uh, particularly has a downer on Jack Whitehall, but I was I was really pleasantly surprised at his performance. I mm. No, I thought it was very good indeed. I think he has real charm, and uh, uh, you know, yeah, actually. I don't have a beef with him. No. Apart from him being young and successful. We all hate people yeah, who are young, young and young. successful. I haven't yeah. seen Fresh Meat, but apparently Greg McHugh, who I think is yeah. always excellent, yeah. so has yeah. supposed to be really good in that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, 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 um, I'm sure it will um, it will develop. Uh, Fun Police, that was a part Channel 4 pilot. Uh, that was a kind of fairly uh, old-fashioned sitcom. Um, got um, slagged off by people who don't like audience sitcoms, as ever. The overall <laughs> consensus was that just in favour of it. Um, Why don't they like audience sitcoms? What's the actual beef? But, oh, it's this thing. Uh, people say, oh, you can, you know, they've put the, they've added the laughter to it. They never do that. No, they take it away. Weird. That's what I always try and explain to people. You know, you don't, if you kept all the audience laughter from an audience <coughs> sitcom, it would overrun by about mm, half an yeah. hour. Yeah. But post the office. Everything. Yeah, everything has to be. That's just uh, silly. That's just, that's and, just silly. And you get umpteen comments. Here's people the, saying, I, "I thought, I thought this this type of comedy went out in the 80s. Why? And uh, what's yeah, the point? What's the, what, where does that? Where does ruling out an entire way of doing things get get you? I mean, that, no, it's just. I think what's so happened is because strange. it's because it's expensive to make, and yeah. uh, so so there are less of them made. And it's the hardest one to do. Yeah. And so more of them, when when, it, when they're not good, they, they look worse. Than, mm. I mean, a, a non-audience sitcom that's yeah. not very good, it doesn't really... But yeah, well, also, because the, the yeah. things without laughs on, you can get away with... I mean, you've read... I've re, you can read reviews of things where it goes, this was laugh out loud funny, but I'm not sure that's what we want from a sitcom at the moment. <laughs> you think, what yeah. the fuck are you on about? <laughs> you know, what does that review mean? Yeah. You know, or... or yeah. uh, there were some funny points in it, but not the right kind of funny. Yeah. What the fuck are you on about? It just the, and that that sort of wave of critical con- consensus, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm to be honest, mystified by. It. And, it, it, and it is, it, it, but but also what what simultaneously happened with that is the the bar has been not just been lowered but moved. So things that are actually intended to be funny come across as gauche and come across as sort of. Uh, uh, like embarrassing, you know, like like, like old fashioned or something. Mm. They're not. There's nothing mm. like, seen as childish almost, isn't it? Pure or, 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 or needy or something, you know. Yeah. There is something though about. I mean, I, I, you you have been at many recordings, and I've, I've been at yeah. recordings where you think, you know, you've been at a recording of a sitcom, and, and it's been absolutely laugh out loud, hilarious. Mm. Um, the whole time, you know, the audience are laughing all the way through, and you think this has been absolutely brilliant. And you go home, and then you watch it on telly, and some of the magic of the room, a bit like with, the, yeah. with stand-up, some yeah. of the magic has gone. And I, and I think that is another problem. That, you know, but but the Americans have figured out somehow how to, to to circumvent that problem, and they do make things. It's a piece of TV that's obviously working in a room at the same time. They're really good at getting that balance right. And we're we're about out of practice, but that's because they do them. Their shows on massive production lines and. Everything does, you know, they'll do, they'll yeah. do 25 of something you've never, ever heard of, mm. five seasons of it, you know, that, that's, that's a, t- a teen sitcom, you know, you know, you know what I mean, because they're, they're, they're so, it's so of their culture. The but I think even in America, they, you know, they, 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 they have all, they have been struggling, um, they've been, we're, we're being heckled by the... Sound of laughter yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, we know what the sound of laughter <laughs> The production yeah, office of TV Burp um, yeah. have just no. um, 
been. Well, no, in America they have. They've, they've also they've also they're drifting away from the audience sitcom as well. I mean, right, it's, it's money as ever. It's cheaper. Do you know? I think it's coming back a little bit in this country though with the success of Miranda mm. and not going out. Miranda not going out. It crowd. They've all. Yeah. Um, they've all. They've all taken the uh, old format and they've done something a, a little bit more modern with it, haven't right. they? And that's that's probably the. the, the but it's the also thing. there's somewhere somewhere. Critically, it's been decided it's okay again. Is the other thing? Is that what? That's what happens. Is when I think Miranda's, I think very, very funny. I think she's, uh, you know, it's fantastic that she's been successful. But it's just interesting how, in the last eighteen months, everyone who's whoever it is that make decides that that sort of comedy doesn't work has decided it does work now. And the the things that would be regarded as faults or, or glaring weirdnesses of performance are now endearing and sweet. And it's. Just the way that it's like a, the critical windscreen wiper going from flipping, it's very odd. Well, I remember reading the reviews of the first series of Miranda and the broadsheets really didn't know which way to go with it. No. They, didn't, they, so they just didn't say, understand. I'm laughing, but I don't feel I should. Yeah, well, they are. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a sitcom. It's a sitcom. It's, it's funny. It's it's a, funny. And it's a, com- it's a comedy. Yeah. And so, when, you know, there has been that whole... World and I, which I like, of things which is, which are excruciating. And it's about embarrassment, and, and you don't know whether to laugh or not. Mm. And that's I think very interesting. But that isn't the only way of mm. making. That's yeah, not the only so, form of comedy. So, but it, for, yeah. there was a consensus that it was for quite a long time. <coughs> it's, it's a shame. Would you um, would you want to do another audience sitcom? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, ten years on, I've digested so much of what it. I mean, one of the things while you're doing it, sometimes you think. Stop fucking laughing. We've got to get through this scene. It's, we're not going to be able to edit this or pace it properly for people watching at home. If you lot don't shut up. And the, weirdly, we did we did most of the recordings in Studio One at, uh, on the South Bank, which holds 600 people, which was great fun to play to, but, but made it very, very difficult to stitch a programme together. You know, and also reshooting your scene for a third time. There's nothing like 600 people losing interest in something to um, to, 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 to put you off his stroke. You yeah. know, I mean that again. That's another. We, we, we've talked a little bit about this, but I, I'm sure there has got to be a different way of making sitcoms. It seems to me mad that when you go to a sitcom to watch a half hour episode, you have to sit through two and a half hours, mm. uh, including seeing the same scene shot four times because well, in the state, Mister, I made a pilot. Four, uh, five six years ago for, for Fox called Union Jackass which is yeah. you know which which didn't work out and, and at the end product it wasn't any good but the, the experience was was absolutely extraordinary and what we did was we shot one at half past four in the afternoon like a play from beginning to end and then we did it all again at half past seven and then went on to one o'clock in the morning but because that's that's the way they do it but what that meant is you got you did get two passes at everything or at least two passes at everything but one was pure and just sat on its own and we ran it like a play with fluffs and everything just just did it so that so that they had one done like that so you didn't have an audience sat there going come on I've seen this scene three times already it's not funny yeah. anymore you know yeah. and was it a completely different audience obviously yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah yeah but did you still have to do the the Oh my five hours! Oh my god, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, it, it was amazing because of its. I mean, the, the, the fascinating thing there, and, it, and you know, and, and it was one of those classic things where we started off with one idea, and me and the writer were sort of five degrees apart, and so by the end of the process, we were we were on opposite sides of the planet in, in terms of what the show turned out to be, and we had some hilarious conversations about whether my tie was distancing, and uh, you know, like the executives go, "We find the tie too distancing. We wanted to lose the tie." I'm like. 
and tie tucked into the trousers tells you everything you need to know about this character. It's too distancing. And like, well, I don't even know what you mean by distancing. And in the end, you take the tie off because you're thinking, I can't be bothered with this conversation again. I'm trying to learn my lines, you know. I mean, it really weird. But, but they were so serious about it. They were so serious about it. And they were, they were that, you know, you, you shot till one o'clock in the morning because, because the head of Fox is on the studio floor, stood behind the cameraman going, I'm just not sure about this scene and can't we rejig it and get the actor back in and, mm. and, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I did want to talk to you anyway about, yeah. about, the, about um, Union Jack and about the, 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 uh, the, the fact that a, a lot of British comedians do go out to the States. Yeah. And, uh, and it seems to be that the ones that, that do actually succeed, regardless of, you know, Whatever the, the products you're talking yeah. about, and I mean, I know Lee, Matt, uh, they, they they try not going out in America yeah. as well. But there's a sense that you kind of have to almost live there, don't you? Really, yeah. you, have, you have to kind of go. You have to decide. I mean, people like Steve Coogan and Eddie Izzard, right. Ricky Gervais, they've all spent a lot of time in the States, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Do you think that's partly why shows British a lot of the British acts who go with one show that they, they don't it never quite. You know, probably, but there's, there's, you know, it's, you run into the entire d- divided by common language, you know, separated by common language thing. I mean, it, 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 it's, it, 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 I mean, I loved it. I loved every single step of the experience because part of it is you go, we, you went, we went around pitching and, and you are like a, you're like an exotic creature when you walk in and go, can I have a cup of tea, please? And they'll think, wow, this guy's sophistication. <laughs> you know? And it, it's very, very peculiar. But, but the, but the, I don't know. You do have. I think you have to actually have to go there, not wedded to one thing, and see yeah. where it's going to go. But you know, I had a, the, the writer. The, the writer I was working with was a very talented guy called Dan O'Keefe, who'd, who'd run four series of the Drew Carey show. You know, he'd done show running on that. He'd written on Seinfeld. He's the guy who invented Festivus in Seinfeld, the the, the fake Christmas festival. It was a thing his father did. And 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 there's some episode where Jerry drops his toothpaste in the toilet. And he can't quite tell his girlfriend that he tells his girlfriend. And uh, Dan had done that, but not told his girlfriend. You know? so it's, that's, where, yeah. that's where Seinfeld used to come from, was all yeah, his personal yeah. stuff. And he was a very clever guy. But he simply, he simply we ended up with the, with the situation where he basically misunderstood the pub landlord. <laughs> oh, he's angry, he's angry. And he's like, yeah, he's angry, but it's, but it's pointless. And, 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 and some of it's misdirected rather than fuck I hate the French which, which was going to play in America seven years ago but wasn't what I wanted wasn't doesn't sit comfortably with me and we ended up with this very peculiar programme but it was the, it, an amazing experience in yeah. terms of the seriousness of the whole thing right yeah. you know yeah. and the, the, you, the, the castings you have the head of Fox going I'm not so sure about this actor and you you know you Mark, you don't get the head of the BBC at a casting for a for a pilot, you know, which is possibly not a bad thing. I think. Well, well, no, I, I mean, we we, we we got to the point where we think just leave us alone, you know. Yeah. This is this is stupid. But they, they challenged all your arguments, which I think was also was actually quite healthy because yeah. sometimes you just sail off on a thing and think this will work, and then, yeah. yeah, you know. They Did it feel fly. a lot more pressure because of that as well? No, it felt like a fantastic adventure. Yeah. It was so different to doing things here. Um, it, it was like an amazing adventure, and sitting in a proper, you know, proper the proper writers' room thing, with a, with ten guys down the table, and one of them's the plot expert, and one of them's the blue collar lines guy, and you know, they've all he's coming in his he's coming in his pickup truck, 
you know, and uh, and the whole thing, and the fact that the writers are on retainers and all that sort of stuff, yeah. really amazing. You know, O'Keefe, who I worked with, he was on a retainer for the 20th Century Fox rather than Fox, and his job, quarter million dollars a year, was to come up with a project a year and then go and write on whatever they wanted him to write on. Right. It is. It is more. It is an industry. Now, How about that? I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Whereas here, you, yeah. if you're writing, you're writing on the thing you're writing on. Or not, or you're not, you know, you're not yeah. being paid. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a sense, I mean, I've worked briefly on that, well, for a, a series on uh, my family, and there was a kind of that element of, of that, and there were six, six of us sitting yeah. around the table, so yeah. not quite that many, but uh, there was, it was, it, it didn't feel like it was part of something, it just felt this, this is like a, a one-off, and they've tried it with other shows and when it yeah. doesn't work with other shows it's so right it doesn't work we can't do it yes um, rather than the more yeah. we do this the more likely we are to figure out how to make yeah. it work yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely but it's expensive well that's the thing isn't relatively it? and that's uh, as you say it's it's uh, spread over 24 episodes yeah. it's spread over a year for, for an American yeah. uh, sitcom well and with the future possibility of yeah. syndication and yeah. hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars you know, they, so. if they make it last <laughs> As soon as they're up to series two, then they can run it for the whole year yeah. with, with Thanksgivings and repeats yeah. and stuff. So, so yes. But what is. was fascinating, really interesting about it, was there was a deadline because of the because of the Super Bowl. You know, they, they, they or whenever well, you know the football season starts, and they that's when they launch a series. So there's yeah. a deadline. So, you know, you say there's no new programs this week in America. You know, it was three weeks ago. And they have to have new programs because they have a new season that they have to launch, mm. and so. They have to. They have to be filming those in July. So they have to have decided, and they have to have launched them at the end of May in the upfronts. And that means they have to be piloting them in, in April, which means they're commissioning the scripts in February and the outlines in November before. And there's a timetable, and it's yeah. and it's rigorous and it's stuck to it. And it that was also really that was brilliant because you think. Uh, you know what's going to happen next. You know when you're going to get a decision. Which you know, which compared to, I mean, I don't know your experience, but. My experience, you think when you just look, say no, yeah. <laughs> just, just yeah. fucking say it. I know we get we get maybe into submission. Yeah, don't we? yeah. Whereas yeah. in America, they they have to say they have to say yes or they have to say no, and because because you know they can't launch the shows at the upfront if they haven't decided. And we went to. I mean, I knew it wasn't once while we were filming it. I knew we weren't going to get a series. I just knew you got that yeah. you get that feeling about the thing. But but they still hadn't decided. The, the upfronts in New York on the Sunday, the last weekend of May, roughly, or that's when they were writing it. We still didn't know on the Friday before whether they greenlit the thing or not. So we were, I could have had to get on the plane yeah. and go out to New York, meet the cast, and the writers are going to go, hey, we're the new, we're the exciting news to come on Fox after The Simpsons or whatever. It's totally ridiculous. What's, um, what, was the, um, what was the premise of the uh, American? The pub landlord tracks down his wife. Right. who left him, he thought she'd left him for a Frenchman, but he tracked her down to Santa Monica where she's living uh, with, 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 the, with her son, with some like aromatherapist bloke. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's all the, all, the, all the sort of flaky Californianness right. has, 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 has got his son. So he Perfect decides... For well, the public. well, yeah, so he decides <laughs> to, go to, to, to go to America to be with his son and finds a British theme pub, but it's an American British theme pub, so it's all wrong. And they want him in it like as an exhibit, basically. <laughs> and that, that was the that was the premise. Yeah. But we just we just we got it. We we didn't get it right. And and that was if nothing else, getting it wrong was as interesting as getting it right. You know, yeah. it was the last thing I did where I where I where if I wasn't sure about something, I go, all right, we'll try it your way. And since then, if I if I'm not sure about something, mm-hmm. 
Um, it made my mind up that I had to stop compromising, actually, yeah. weirdly. <laughs> I, I'd like to talk just for a moment about the, the origins of, of the uh, yeah. landlord character, because I remember when... Uh, I remember when uh, you were starting out and yeah. um, there was not a pub landlord in sight. But no. It was, a, it was the com- comedy noises. That's right. It was my movie. pub trick uh, <laughs> that had been turned into 20 minutes of uh, <laughs> weird stand-up. And the one that I wish remember <laughs> that I always loved was the, the sound of a car boot being opened. Yeah, you well, still, yes, I could still, still do that. I'll come <laughs> into the microphone. Everyone loves this one. It's this. <laughs> and then they're closing. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I've works. got that to fall back on. It's like a, d- a degree in medicine. So. <laughs> I understand the first time you tried the pub landlord um, at the comedy store, Don Ward, who runs a comedy store, said, for God's sake. What are you doing that for? Why don't you do observations? And I said, the character is an observation. And he looked at me blankly. But God bless him, you know, there we are. We can't, we can't be right 100% of the time. <laughs> But, uh, it was all, but the thing is, is I was 24 when I started doing it, or 20, no, I was 26 when I started doing it, and it, it, some, t- some nights it would sit weirdly because I was so young mm-hmm. for the character. Right. But, and people would say that to me and I'd go, fuck off, what do you know? You know but actually, you know, yeah. on reflection, that, that was the case. And it was, it was, kind of, it was, for, um, it was for Harry Hill's uh, Edinburgh show, wasn't well, it? Well, what it was, is we had this, we, it was because of Guns and Moses. It's all because of Guns and Moses, oh, Dave. Right. Basically, <laughs> we were doing those, we did... We had those gigs at the Gilded Balloon. Remember that? Yeah, year? yeah, yeah. And one of them was amazing, and the other one was like was average. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 one of them was like one of the best things I've ever done on stage. Yeah, ever. It was a phenomenal, a phenomenal yeah. weird moment yeah, so where everything went our way. Those rare gigs that I do. Everyone <laughs> 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 remembers what they were doing. And anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and uh, so I had the drum kit in the flat, and I was doing that. Uh, I was sharing with Harry, and I, Harry it was, that year he was doing a show called. Eggs, and I would sit backstage and do funny voices. When he, when the phone rang, it would be me, and I'd do all this stuff, and mm-hmm. and he'd be, there'd be noises off. Basically, it was all me. And we, so we had the drums in the flat, and, and little Matt, who played his little brother Alan, oh, played yeah. the keyboards, and we would jam together during the day yeah. for fun. And and we ended up like a sort of, you know, a set of songs started to come together. We enjoyed playing, and Harry enjoyed singing. And I said, well, let's go do a gig at the Fringe Club. And so we went and did a gig at the Fringe Club. And it went crazy, you know, they, they went mad for it. And um, so we said, all right, we'll come back next year and the show, whatever we do, we'll end the show with the pub band. And then, and then we went off and we started getting the show ready the following summer. And I had this sort of really wrong character that I came up with, was a sort of old vaudeville guy. Because it's that sort of thing, I was a bit stuck. And so I thought, well, I'll write some jokes about jokes because, because I know about jokes, because I'm a comic you know, it's the, almost the first thing you think of doing when you don't know what to do, I think, when you're a really comedian. And, and once, you, once you get past that, you maybe write some jokes. And so it was a, like a failed vaudeville thing, and it didn't work. Shit. And so we got to Edinburgh, and, and I said, well, I'm not going to do that, am I? What shall I do? And literally on the opening night, I said to Harry, how about I be a pub landlord? Really? It was that? It's, that, it's like that. I mean, we, you know, we're backstage here. You can hear the audience out there. I've, I've got this rotten suit that I was going to wear to play the drums I said how about we say that the compare's not shown up and the, the pub the landlord of the, of the you know we were in the Pleasant's Cabaret Bar the landlord here has offered to fill in and I'll go on and do that how about I do that now you know like with two minutes to go and Harry goes yeah whatever because he's trying to learn his <laughs> 40 minutes <laughs> yeah. which was a big deal back then and, and yeah. on I went and it, and it just 
really odd. It just literally, worked. Let's do the show right here. Well, yeah, no, li- literally. And then I came off and went, well, that seems to work. Um, started jotting down some ideas. And then we did, a, we did that for two weeks. At the end of it, I had 20 minutes of material. And then we went on tour, did like a big 70-day tour. And at the end of that, I had an hour. And then I started doing it on the Cambridge circuit. Right. That, that first time you did it, did you have anything that you prepared that you were going to no. say? No. I used to. Well, well, what we, what I, I decided what I was going to do was, was, was uh, explain what was going to happen. Well, I mean, one of the big differences is it, is it was all like he didn't want to go on. Right. So it was all like, oh, I don't like happy being up here. And like, oh God. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, show show we got for you tonight, and it was all about. I used to explain the show in terms of a menu, a pub menu. So the. The opening, because they, they used to do a little dance together, and I used to say the opening bit's like a prawn cocktail, and that it's disappointing, you know, that, that's <laughs> that sort of thing. And, and then by the end of the by the end of the tour, I had an hour, you know, an hour's material, because right. it just it was very odd. It just started coming out. Right, and this was so when when about that's ninety four, I think. We yeah, did, yeah. So when we did Pubs National, and that show was nominated for the Perrier, which right. was which was, you know, you, 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 you do something brand new, and it gets that kind of attention. You think, oh, maybe I. Maybe I, I need to pursue this a bit. Because yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can vouch for the, for the fact that you, you know, you're not just a, a good drummer. You're a be- better drummer than a lot of drummers in bands oh, that bless I, you, I've worked with. And, and uh, you know, was there ever a, a, was there ever a time when you thought thought you would do something other than comedy? Yeah, I really wanted to. to I really wanted to be a musician, but um, but uh, I'm not good enough. And also, I really love music, and I, I know enough musicians who've pursued it who despise it. <laughs> you know, and, and they are uh, professionals. Professionals, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a lot. I know a lot of drummers now. Sort of got involved in the drumming community is the wrong word. The drumming world, and uh, a lot of them say it's called, you know, it's called playing an instrument because you're meant to be playing because playing's fun. And there's the day where you. You sit down at a drum kit and you think, oh, I hate you. I hate this whole thing. I don't. And you're not in the mood, and you've got to do it. And mm. I mean, I think. I mean, I still play. I still love it. But I think if I'd yeah. been a musician, I'd, I'd hate it by now. And I wasn't good enough. You have you you, you have a level. As I say, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily the greatest judge of, <laughs> of musicians, but. Uh, <laughs> I have played with some shit drummers. <laughs> and you weren't one of them. It's um, very name names. <laughs> oh god, it goes back. It goes back. Uh, bands in my teens, at least. But, uh, uh, but uh, I mean, it's. Um, I, I, I was just um, thinking about that. That I mean, you've got your you've got your heavy metal band. Your your for real heavy metal. Yeah, band, yeah, yeah. Two thirty four. Yeah. Two thirty four. Yeah. And you do how many? Well, we do two a year, I think. We right. did. Well, the last one we did was Download, which is really funny. Yeah. Because people threw noodles at us. It's quite interesting. It just, just it? shows you how much rock festivals have changed. You know, <laughs> when some deliciously seasoned noodle, noodles come flying <laughs> rather than a bottle of piss. Teriyaki. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do, do any do people know who you are? You? Yeah, they do. Yeah, uh, although I'm really, um, you know, uh, it gets us gigs, but I, but you don't want that to be the the the, the piece of entertainment. You want your music you. to do the talking, is well, that what you're yeah, saying? Maybe. Yeah, no, but I don't want to, I don't. <laughs> want you, what you don't want is people gawping and going, you know, not listening to the band. I mean, I have a little company that makes drums, and we have a we we do this, we do this little business that makes drums, and and we have a proper problem where. If we do a drum show and I go, people just come and stare at me at the stand. You think you look at the fucking products? <laughs> Buy the nice snare drum. Stop staring at me. Let go. Go away. You know, or, yeah. or or come here and spend money. But you you know, it's a peculiar thing with yeah. the music. 
the landlord. Yeah. Who just just appeared out kind of out of nowhere. Really. Yeah. Became as you know you said you won the, you were nominated for Perrier in '94. You I don't know. I've lost count of how many times you've It was four, four on my own, but yeah. five in total. Yeah. Right. And, uh, <laughs> which, which is quite, quite astonishing, really. Oh, I mean, really annoying, depending on your point of view. <laughs> I mean, if I were. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a very odd, it was an odd thing. Uh, but, but the thing is, because the act appeared out of thin air, that's why he doesn't actually have a name. I mean, it, yeah. it gets called the Al Murray, the pub, Al the pub. He doesn't actually have a name. And he ne- I never named the pub. I mean, we had to for time gents, we ended up having to. But the idea is that. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't because it, it's. I mean, I always think it, it's more like uh, like a cartoon than anything else. He lives in a sort of animated world. Is he, than is he from world. anywhere in particular? No, no. Because I get I get told you know in Manchester go you're you're a Cockney. No, he's not meant to be a Cockney because he's not. And I've always avoided swerve the Chaz and Davery and yeah. all that. And if he's from anywhere, he's from. You know, I went to school in Bedford, which is too small to be a city and too big to be a town now. It's from those sort of yeah. places where, which are not one thing or another. He's from yeah. somewhere like that. Mm. I but don't think it's important where he's from. All those things, are, none of those things are important, I think. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I think... Bearing on his character. No, yeah. no. But it, you say it's an animated uh, cartoon, but I mean, to... to, to Produce that amount of material and to have done it for as, as long as you, you have done it. And I mean, there's, there's and certainly when you started out, I saw it more yeah. then. And, and there's the obvious sort of nuance, and it's, ob- it's obvious that this character, you know, that the, the backs you, you play the backstory, yeah, uh, and, and that, that it's obvious where it's coming from. I mean, how, how do you sort of keep that? Fresh, or do you oh. still keep that fresh? Well, I was supposed to be sitting down and writing a new show shortly, so um, uh, <laughs> come and ask me then. Um, I, I did a show at the end of last year that was all new, and I didn't. I ended up really not liking it because I wrote it in a great hurry and I didn't have time to sort of digest it properly. So this year I've gone back out on the road, and the whole first half, whole whole first hour is improvised, except for a thing that's a sort of full stop at the end. And I've not done that before. I always just do like twenty minutes and then have something to hop onto. And the, the improvising is is now throwing up things that are, will be filed and used to develop into routines. I think, right. but it's yeah, I don't, I honestly don't know. It's because it's a, it's a, it, you know, it's it, it's a point of view more than a or a or a set a set of points of view more than a character. I mean, that's that's why that's what the, when I went to America, that's what they were all talking about. We need people with a point of view, and then we can put them in a sitcom, and then you know, and so that, that's all it is really. So I just kind of. Find a subject and point it at it, and say some, get him to say some contradictory, stupid things, and, and we're all way, basically. Yeah. And of course, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked this many times, but I mean that the the um, the fact that this is um, the the pub landlord says this, uh, yeah, and it's 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 obviously not Al Murray says this. No, but, so you, you know there, there are times, and I'm sure occasions where people look at you and they think, yeah. look at the pub landlord, and they think, yeah. In the, in the same way that yeah, Johnny yeah. Spate always said about yeah, Alf yeah. Garner, however, yeah, however horrible he tried to make him, he just got more and more loved yeah. by the audiences. Do, 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 do yeah, yeah, but to be honest, you have to just, I, I simply don't care about that, because, because I think, I mean, I actually really sincerely believe that your job as, your job as a comedian is to create mischief, and you mustn't ever take sides and... Um, you know, whatever my politics are, I don't want. I'm not going. I'm never going to express them directly through through an act. I don't think anyone should. You should be laughing at everyone. A plague on all the houses. You know, and I mean, I found the election very interesting last year because a lot of people, 
I mean, whichever way you vote, and, and, and you know, I think my po- my politics is private, but I know what it is. It was interesting seeing people flag waving for one party or another, com- comedians, because it just makes you think. But you're supposed to take the piss out of it, everything. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be equal opportunity jesters, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and yeah. not take sides because if you do, if you do, you 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 you're, you're not doing you're not fine, yeah, you're not doing your job properly, and mm-hmm. and so. So if if some of what I say is upsetting what you know the politically correct opinion makers I mean I hate these words you know these words are inadequate and are stupid and a daily mail if it upsets them good mischief and if 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 people are getting it wrong at the other end of the stick brilliant I'm you know yeah. the idea that I mean I've had someone say to me does the, the BMP must love your act you think well actually if they if you actually look at what the pub language says it's all it's mental and none of it's real, you know. It's, you know, I've had people come up to me and go, oh, "I love what you say about the French." I said, "What I say, but I said that they're idiots because um, they've got a town called Brest, and none of them think it's funny." You know, I haven't said anything about. I've not said anything about the French. I've said everything about your attitude, uh, yeah. if you yeah. want. And you know, I, I find it really interesting that I get, I, you know, um, I had a very, I had a very funny one-star review in Edinburgh this year with a bloke going, you know. People take the act of face value now, and the wrong sort of people are coming to you, to my gigs, and and I've given in to them. And you think, actually, if I'm taking the piss out of someone to their face, and they don't and they don't realise that's that's fucking brilliant. That's mischief, <laughs> yeah. and it's about mischief. Our job is is it's it's about mischief. It's about it's about you know what who's who who put who in charge of what opinions. You know, and our job as comedians is to. Poke fun at all of it. I, I thought, but, but uh, you know, I don't. I honestly don't. Yeah. Yeah. Quite, I get quite animated about this because because I really don't care if people misinterpret what I do. It's like saying, it's it, it's a, it, if you want, it's a piece of art. You can't control what people make of it. Yeah, know? yeah. No, I accept. I, I, I understand that. I mean, I can see a point how sometimes where people uh, who do take a stand will say, well, actually, you know, there's a point where if you say, you know, plague all your houses, it, it, there's a kind of you, you, you kind of get sucked into a kind of whirlpool of negativity. And, yeah. But, and so I can see why where there is a... Where well, people want to, do want to yeah, stand yeah. up and they think it's important and they need to believe in things. But I really do... I mean, that's what... I mean, we talked about private eye earlier. That's what I love about private eyes. They find everyone ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that, sh- that surely should be your starting point if you're... I mean, because I do try and write about... You know, I do try and write about the world we live in and and react to it and stuff. I mean, I I mean, I find what you know, the, the, I find audiences. And I love audiences. Audiences are so fascinating. Wait, how far you can get with them? The, the really interesting thing at the moment is in the whole thing with bankers. Is everyone hates bankers? But not for one minute stop to consider that it was them borrowing the money from the bankers yeah. <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. You know, and the, the, mm. it's nothing to do with us. I mean, Miliband yesterday in his speech said. He's going on about what's wrong with this country. He goes, let me make me make it clear right now. Um, it's not. There's nothing wrong with the people in this country. You think? the same with the press scandals. The yeah. public were perfectly happy to eat up all the stories oh, yeah. uh, for you know years, yeah, yeah, years yeah, yeah. on end, and then the slightest hint that you know, oh, maybe it didn't come from yeah. the yeah. celebrity telling the paper. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. outrage. But anyway, I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't. The other thing, the, um, the other thing, the other way of looking at it is, I think the whole at the moment we have this this huge argument. I mean, certainly in the last two or three years, a big debate about what's offensive in comedy, 
And I think that's a complete red herring. I actually think when someone says, I'm offended by that, you shouldn't do that, what they're actually saying is, uh, I don't find that funny. And that should be the end of the discussion. And the truth is, is not everyone's got the same sense of humour. So that should be the end of that. If we're grown-ups, we accept that we all don't have the same yeah. sense of humour. Yeah. If someone's saying something's offensive, what they actually mean is they don't find it funny. So, so, so like, so what? You, you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah and that, that, that doesn't get, you know, when, when the Brad Ross thing happened, everyone's, you know, had all these people saying it's a comedian's job to be edgy. You think, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to, to be funny when did that memo get sent and what do you mean no, it doesn't mean anything because yeah, yeah. I've never had a conversation with a comic where, where we've gone oh that's really edgy or where's the edge or your edginess is this and that we don't use comics don't use that word I don't I do, think, I do think my experience that, but there are comics who would say you know I'm, I'm, I think comics learn fairly early on when they say you know, I'm deliberately going to say something yeah. because it's shocking and actually We've all we've all heard every shocking thing that's ever yeah. been said, and so it's kind of they're not really um, they're, 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 it's part of a sort of process. Yeah, um, and I think yeah, and, and I guess but when, when you, you do get certain comedians who are very good at, at pushing that and testing mm. that and testing that, I'm I'm kind of more interested in the response to the when people say I'm offended by that. I'm actually quite quite interested in the way that people who say well I didn't find that funny and. People then criticise that and saying, "Oh, what? Well, if you didn't find it funny, then yeah, you're an idiot." A sense of yeah. humour, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Which is equally, I've got a different one. You know, you can't make everyone laugh. No, it's no. impossible. Yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> but what's coming across interesting as well, because there's one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Mm. I mean, you're obviously still kind of, uh, you know, kind of very kind of motivated and excited by the, you know going out and yeah. trying stuff with audiences. And I was going to say, because you you've been doing this character now for 15, yeah. 15 years or so, and I mean, you, 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 you do a lot of tours. I noticed on Twitter the other day, you said you call it a tour that never ends, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it feels like that at the moment. <laughs> yeah. is, there, is there ever a point where you just think, oh God, I'm just... Still doing this character? Uh, no, not I'm still doing this character. It's yeah. oh god, I've got to go up the M6 again. It's more yeah. that. Um, the, the the that's the thing that that it, it, you know it eats into me. But yeah. I mean, last weekend, this weekend, we were in Cheltenham and then Durham and then Leeds, and we played Leeds City Varieties on Monday night, which is back and restored Fantastic. and beautiful, yeah. and the, the, a perfect environment for doing stand up. I mean, why? How could you ever get fed up with that? Yeah. Though I do intend to retire, I'm not Ken Dodd, but you know, I mean, I, he, he, he was there last week and he went on till quarter to one in the morning. It's not a gig, it's a hostage situation. I've seen, have you ever been to a Ken Dodd? No, I haven't. Uh, no. Yes, I was, yeah. I think I was about 14 when I saw Ken Dodd. How old were you when it And the, <laughs> the City of yeah. 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 No, really, yeah. 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 I was 16 when I left, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, it was brilliant. And it was a sort of charity gig and there was some, um, uh, Hope and Keen were on as well. Goodness me, you don't hear that name very often. Um, I pinched the programme from the other night. Yeah. It was in my other bag, it's a yeah. shame. And it was, I mean, it, and, and you know, you kind of went through, once you realised that, as you say, it was, a, it was a hostage situation, once you got past the first uh, hour of knowing he's not going off, you kind of, there was sort of, sort of a few <laughs> first hour of knowing he's not going off. I was always astonished when he got done for the, those the tax bills, for not claiming for having done two, yeah, he got two gigs. Two gigs. I thought, 
how does he do two gigs in a night? It's not physically <laughs> possible. <laughs> he must be going off somewhere at 3 a.m. There isn't time. There's a time <laughs> Neutrinos. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, just, just while I talk again, we mentioned about uh, Time Gentleman, please. Mm. Uh, and, um, of course, it was um, you wrote that with, with uh, Richard Herring. And, yeah. And uh, Stuart Lee was the, the, the script editor. Yeah. I, I, I remember in the Guns and Moses days and how in very sort of young one style, you all shared a flat. Well, yeah, I live with Stuart. You're not, not with Rich. They, because they worked together, they couldn't live together. Um, uh, he was there. He was there a fair bit. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't live there. No. Yeah, yeah, we did. You know, me and Stu were, were flatmates for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Which was interesting. It was a, a young one <laughs> scenario. Yeah. I mean, you still in contact with him? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I speak yeah. to Stu now and again, and yeah. I see a lot of Rich. Right. Um, yeah. Rich, Rich, when we did Time Jones, Rich was was. I mean, you say I wrote it with Rich. Rich wrote it and would phone me for lines because he, we did so many. The first series, we, we were commissioned to do nine and they added 13 on uh, without a break. And Rich wrote, you know, 22 episodes uh, in 22 weeks. It was, um, he was amazing. He was absolutely incredible. He had the whole thing going on in his head and the whole thing, you know, it mapped out and evolving at the same time. And he, it, was, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, uh, and you know, the, 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 there are things I, you're looking back, there's things at the time you'd think, I wish we could be doing this differently, but they, we can't. Mm. And there are things that now on reflection we'd have done very differently and, and all that sort of thing. Mm. But nevertheless, it was, he was incredible. And that I first mean, series is so consistent as well. It's, it's extraordinary. Yeah. And, and funnily enough, the second series, we got writers in to do a couple of did, yeah. and they didn't work out. And so there, there's a couple of episodes which, which are really wobbly because basically it's Rich rewriting it the day before and us all relearning it. And, right. You know, it, it, the first series, you know, it, it, he, he, it was absolutely mind-boggling what, watching him do it. Hmm. And, uh, and we'd, we'd shoot them on a Thursday, I think, and then he'd come in on the Friday morning, you know, with a big, with, a, with like kind of a script. <laughs> And then he'd go, oh, right, let's go. And we'd read it, and then and then he'd come back on the Monday morning, or on the or we'd meet the Saturday, and he and he did, and it would have changed completely. And he was, he, I mean, he what a hero he was, amazing. And you're right, that first series, first series is like that all the way through. And and the, the, the second series, we put in a sort of darker thing, and also we've been watching a lot of Sopranos and ripped off a whole load of themes from the Sopranos, <laughs> uh, uh, and it went crazier. Right, and, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it went crazier and darker in the second series, but. But but we wanted to make a thing that people that was not realistic, that was an entertainment that had larger than life characters in it, um, but but also possibly like an alter, you know alternative sentiment. So we were allowed to swear and, and, and do those things, and you know and we launched the week before the office. So <laughs> so you know the rest's the rest's history, yeah. and it's an interesting time to do. We were absolutely certain that's what we wanted to do because because the office isn't a one-off. The office is, I think, the, you know, it's a cumulative moment of our mm. things like people like us and lots of downplayed stuff mm. and appears not on its own and not out of the out of ex nihilo, you know, out of nowhere. It's it's definitely part, part of a movement. And we were we were Rich and I were very positively reacting to that at some chance. We wanted to do something, yeah, you know, yeah. where people did fall over and explode and Phil Daniels would fart a lot. You know, that's the, yeah. you know, that's. It, do you think? I mean, it was in its defence. <laughs> so I know a lot of people don't like it, and I, I kind of, you know, don't care. Again, I don't, I don't, again, I don't care. 
We were trying to make an audience sitcom, like we were saying mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's, 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 it stands up remarkably well, really, you know, considering it's 10 years. Yeah, it's 10, 10 years, years old now. And yeah. uh, it does still look, you know, it, it still looks very fresh. That's um, good to know. Fresh and, and I watched one the other night. I thought, what? I don't remember any of this. <laughs> you know, there's that, 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 that famous Captain Kurt sketch on Saturday Night Live where he comes on and they ask him questions. He goes, I don't know, you know, I don't remember. It's just a job. It was just a TV show, Get a Life. And I, I very much felt like that uh, watching it, thinking, mm, no, no, no. <laughs> I guess what an interesting is. twist. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's, I mean, it's a shame now that Sky is actually, it does genuinely seem to be yeah. pushing And I think uh, we were saying earlier how we felt that maybe Sky, when it first decided, oh, we're going to do comedy, and they did two shows and that was it. And there, was yeah. no, there wasn't really a sense. Well, they did that thing called The Strangers as well yeah. with the people they, yes. didn't they? That's right, yeah. Harry Enfield's. That's right, Harry Enfield's thing, yeah. I mean, I think they blinked, basically. I think also that it was maybe the, the I think the, what's the right sort of shifts of the tectonic plates of television are now that Sky is now fifth of the audience or sixth of the audience and the, the, yeah. the channels are all levelling out now and you don't have yeah. you don't, apart from X Factor you don't have anyone towering over anyone else ratings wise and, and so Sky now and they were talking about that ten years ago we want to rival ITV in terms of as, as an entertainment channel and all that and then they blinked they, the, the, you know it wasn't working out quick enough and they panicked yeah, yeah. But you know, it's Sky, it's Murdoch, Murdoch playing one of his ineffably long games that yeah, people yeah. always underestimate him for, I think. Mm, mm. And a trolley that's been getting a million, uh, million views. Well, you so, uh, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, that, yeah, yeah. that is incredible, isn't it? Because some things, uh, things have been hit with 200,000 viewers on other channels, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Critical hits or, yeah. or cult hits. You know? That's the sort of BBC Three, a good figure yeah. for BBC Three, isn't it? I mean, yeah. yeah. Viewers, yeah. And um, I mean, would you uh, do doing, time doing again? again? Well, mate, well, I used to always say absolutely not, but but it would be interesting to revisit it some shape or form. Working with Richard again would be interesting. I mean, I'd work. I'd have a very different attitude to how I worked with Richard though this time. It might it might not work out. <laughs> I mean, he might not want to do it. He might see yeah. it as, as a, you know it would have to be him. It would be, I think he'd see it as a might see it as a reverse. He might not. He might want the money. Mm, well, <laughs> he's certainly he's, he's certainly gone in another, another direction. Yeah, he, since then. you could do a one-off thing. You like when they did this life, and they came back ten years. Well, later maybe, we, maybe we could do that. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I've always when we when we started doing Happy Hour, we used to talk about where does the where does time gents fit into the if, if there's a continuity, where does it fit in? And we came to the conclusion: what it is is it's, is time gents is actually uh, the thirty-seven hallucinatory dreams of the pub landlord about what his pub used to be like <laughs> back in the late 90s and he can't, and he can't really remember all of it all because it's the sort of prism of his shattered alcoholic imagination and that he's remembered some people wrong and he's got the names because like the thing we the thing I like doing is because we, we've written two, book, two pub landlord books which actually have a lot of continuity in them and a lot of backstory but it, most of it's contradictory and misremembered you know because he's an alcoholic he can't remember he, and that's quite handy to have, isn't it? Because, of course, in America, they have the Bible, don't oh, they? Oh, yeah. The show, and they say, hang on, you're saying this guy, he was, uh, right, he was running a pub when yeah, he was yeah. 16? Well, we want it to be, we, you know, I'm more interested in, you know, first principles being funny, you know, yeah. and, and the bloke getting it wrong and misremembering it is, I think, that's funny too, you know. Yeah. And consistent with the character. Yeah. Have you, have you thought of going down? Uh, we were going to mention uh, in, the, in the news that the uh, of the uh, new film, uh, Ricky Grover's film, Buller, came out. Yeah. You, you're not in that, are you? No, I'm not, no. Oh, right, okay. 
Have you ever thought of uh, well, we, the well, movie? Well, we have talked about uh, um, uh, we, we, where there is a script of a thing, um, which is <laughs> um, uh, we wrote a load of stuff in the in the first book, the Common Sense book I wrote. There's a lot of stuff about um, pub landlords having walked with history. Is the idea that, that, that there's been a pub landlord every, every major historic, basically every major historical event ever. There's been someone pouring drinks. And that, that's been a pub landlord. So there was a guy at the pyramids pouring drinks at the end of the hard days pyramiding. And there was the bloke at the, you know, there was a pub landlord at the Last Supper. And there was one at the Round Table, you know, and there have been all, all these mythic events. And so basically, what we've written is a, like, like a Holy Grail thing, where the, it's, a, it's a collision. It's called the Da Vinci Pint, is the idea. And it's, the, it's this sort of collision of of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Da Vinci Code and you know an ancient order protecting Jesus's pint glass because it would have been a pint glass not a wine shaped <laughs> thing like the Holy Grail is always depicted as a wine glass and of course it was a pint glass because it was pint for the fella and that's the that's the that's the script we've got but I think it would be massively expensive to make uh, sounds- Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah <laughs> <laughs> Recreating the pyramids on a studio lot in Ealing. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, the thing is, is people say, "Why not do a thing where he goes to Paris?" And you think, "No," because the whole point is France for the pub landlord is an imaginary place that he's imagined a load of stuff about and it's hallucinated about. If you actually take him there and he sees his shops and streets and people, then what? You know, it's it much more like a cartoon. Really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's much more fun when he when he can't even, he's never let he has never left the pub and his imagination has never left the pub and that's the, that's the point of the character. Would you almost see that that film sort of idea as almost like a sort of blackadder? But, but yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It'd be very much in that. Through history. It would be in that kind of vein, yeah. or, or, or well, that he has this history. I mean, I think uh, you know that's but that maybe we'll come up with something else. I mean, the other the other is to, is to try and do a tug of love snatchback thing, but. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd want to set it. You'd want to set, make it period or something, so that you're outside of reality because he's not realistic. Mm. He's not meant to be. But I mean, that's a lot of you know where where a lot a lot of American movies come out. They're, they're sort of characters that, that came out of Saturday Night Live yeah. or whatever that, that aren't. I mean, they're very you know think of the sort of classic Mike Myers, Danny yeah. Boyd, John Belushi sort of characters. Yeah. They're 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 pretty. Not even one dimensional, really. <laughs> so very often, they, not. They no, they're, 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 they're entire, amount of a costume, don't yeah, they? Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> they do manage to build entire sort of movies out yeah. of them. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, I don't know. We have, we've kicked a script, script around Chris England. You, you, you yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what interest, what's interested me lately with the problem, having done the chat show and then having done Compete for the Meat, is that I like the idea of him ending up hosting shows that he should never be allowed to host. So, uh, you know, what if he was in, what if he was hosting the one show? Imagine that. <laughs> news, news night or something. With yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, oh, well, that's, you know, you'd have an I, 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 item about snails or something. Oh, that's fucking boring. <laughs> there you are. You know, that's... I was thinking cash, cash in the attic. Those shows where those, where those old burglars used to come out, come and show people how you can, how easy it is to break, <laughs> break into their houses. You've got, I mean, you've got these other uh, that you are the, the, the sort of polymath, uh, aren't you? You've got all these other well, things, you, sort of documentaries about <laughs> Germans, and of course, yeah. great, is it your great grandfather? Well, my great 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 grandfather was Thackeray, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. I just think of that as like I know who my great great grandfather was. It doesn't really. Um, yeah. Well, you did a show? Do you do a radio? We did a radio thing about it. Yeah. It's this. It's his bicentenary this year, and no one was interested in making a program about it. 
when I'm thinking I've got one thing. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that's interesting, yeah. you fuckers don't want it. Yeah, it's a long time to wait for the next Exactly, time. <laughs> exactly. I'll be, yeah, I'm hold my breath. So, <laughs> do, have you got other projects? Other sort of yeah, projects? some more history documentary things yeah. uh, coming up, and I'm trying to write a book in parallel to that about my fascination with World War Two and how I've decided I've had enough of that. And, uh, I had a moment, I went, I went on holiday this summer and had a moment of revelation, I thought, I can't be interested in this anymore, it's, I've, I've done it. <laughs> You've moved on. Moved yeah, on. I have, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it used to be, a th- and it the war's to, over now. Well, well, yeah, exactly, exactly, I think the book may well be called that. <laughs> <laughs> Will it be replaced by some other Well, I don't know, I don't know yet, but I've just, yeah. I just, I took the kid, the, I went to Normandy this, this summer, and the kid, because my eldest is really into history, and she wanted to go see the Bayer Tapestry and where William the Conqueror was born and all that. We did all that, and, and we did a bit of the D-Day stuff. There was an American museum in, in a place called San Eglise where, where the Americans landed, parachuted and all this stuff. And, and I just, I stood, I was stood in this museum and I can't fucking do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Enough cocky, you know. Yeah. There's people that are actually there that know less about. Well, yeah, possibly. Yeah. So I, you know, uh, but but I'm trying to do. We got we've got a history documentary in the new year, I've, as far as I know. Um, right. Uh, and yeah. so, where do you? I mean, do you, do you see the pub landlord heading or? Well, I, I, you know. When I, when I first started doing it, I, I, after the first two Edinburghs, people go, what are you going to do next? I'm thinking, well, this, this works perfectly well, thank you. you know, why, why, would I, why would I stamp on this and get rid of it? And so we, we, I, I can see it carrying on. And it's, you know, if you, I think sometimes with things, if you just stick around and hang on in long enough, people give in and they get it. And, and also comedy is about, comedy is about familiarity, not about novelty. I think, you know, the, the, and that's the thing the Americans understand. You should, sitcoms are about knowing the characters, not about working out who they are. And and stand-up's the same. Once you know what Jack D's tone, you'll be happy with him. And once you know and like Jack D's tone, you'll be happy with him forever. You know, it's like saying to, it's like saying to Harry Hill, when are you going to do, when are you going to do something deadpan? When are you going to do, when are you going to, you know what I mean? He, he, his is a persona too, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just carry on with it, basically. I can't do anything else. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you can drum. You well, can yeah, drum. there's that. Yeah. 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 Even though do you say you're not good enough, I'm sorry, I refuse to accept that. Thank you, Dave. Um, 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 <laughs> I suppose I mean, he can be a very different person, can't he? From now, from you know, in the way that we're all different from the person yeah. that we were 20 years. Well, he's going to, you know, he's got middle age coming to him, which I think is going to be quite an interesting thing to. To, to you know to maybe filter some of my feelings about it through him I think that that's probably the next the next big topic right. uh, coming up and also we're going to have we're going to have another recession so there's going to be loads of jokes yeah. to write about that <laughs> <laughs> well thank you oh, oh, that well, thanks. it's a pleasure yeah, basically I, that yeah, was uh, uh, that lights up your forum yes thank you for that turned into a full length hour interview with Al very illuminating thanks ever so much for being with us Al and uh, Tony as well and Aaron Brown Uh, this has been the British Comedy Guys podcast my name is Dave Perry and I'll be the guest very soon